The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Seven minutes after eight. Now, with the advent of democracy in 1994, South Africa rapidly expanded its diplomatic presence all over the world and with particular emphasis on the African continent. These missions play an important part in our country's uh, foreign policy implementation, but there's growing public outcry about the size of these international relations establishments. And according to reports, South Africa has the second most diplomatic embassies in the world behind only the United States, and the country spends 3.2 billion billion rand annually on global diplomatic missions and this includes a quoted figure of 1.9 billion rand that's spent on maintenance and of personnel and sentiments out there are that government should reconsider the value of having so many missions when the fiscus is struggling to meet some of its domestic obligations so on the forum date this morning this uh, is our focus and we are asking are we getting value for money from these diplomatic missions abroad? 34701, that's the SMS line number. Lines are open. You can call us on 0891-104-208 or you can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. And uh, with us this morning, uh, Clayson Moniella, spokesperson for the Department of International Relations and Cooperation. Clayson, thanks for your time. Good morning. Uh, and I'm sure they told you I'm actually in the plane as, as we speak so I can only be with you for about two or three minutes, and I apologize for that. Uh, but if you'll allow me to just make a couple of points uh, before uh, they tell me to switch off the phone. Go for it. Yes. Well, firstly, uh, the, the, the first point is to mention that uh, these missions that we're talking about, these embassies, uh, were not opened or introduced by the current administration of President Jacob Zuma because, you know, in this country lately, everything is looked at through that lens. These are not new missions, except for two or three, including South Sudan. But otherwise, um, these missions uh, were opened post-1994 uh, to expand uh, our global footprint uh, because this country had been isolated under apartheid, and we needed to uh, establish both and strengthen relations uh, with the world as a new democracy. Now, these costs that we're talking about, in fact, are not new. Uh, The budget of the department has been uh, decreased or decreasing since 2009. It's also important to remember that our embassies trade in foreign currencies, including uh, the U.S. dollars. Now, while 3.2 million uh, rands is a lot of money, when you introduce the dollar element, uh, the picture is slightly different. Secondly, Diplomacy 101, the act of shutting down or closing down a diplomatic mission, there's only one interpretation that countries will attach to that, uh, whether it's a high commission or consulate. If you shut down an embassy in another country, the interpretation is you are cutting diplomatic ties or relations with that particular country, politically, economically, and socially. Now, I understand that some people who are not necessarily uh, practitioners of IR may not necessarily understand it, but here's the thing. So if that is the one interpretation, the question has to be asked. If you do that, then you expect that country to reciprocate, which means they will also cl- close down their uh, diplomatic mission in South Africa. Now, which countries are this that South Africa wants to offend and cut diplomatic ties with by shutting down an embassy. I am not aware of any country in the world that has done this for reasons that uh, the mission is too expensive to maintain. Perhaps I'm wrong, but I'd like to hear what countries have done this. Number three, uh, the amount of money 
that uh, South Africa makes because of the strong relations we have with we have with countries that then pave the way for a conducive environment to do trade is enormous. I mean, I can give you two examples. With China, for example, we've been able to grow uh, the trade between the two countries, South Africa and China, from about 10 billion rand a couple of years back to currently uh, the figures of over 200 billion annually. Uh, we were in Germany two weeks ago. BMW announced just last week that they are investing 6 billion rand in this country. Now, for a cost of 3.2 billion rand, to just one investment of 6 billion rand, uh, you can see the figures. I mean, I could go on from the U.S. There are over 600 U.S. companies uh, operating in this country. There are over 600 South African companies operating in the U.S. Here's the thing. Diplomatic relations, political relations, uh, the pursuit of foreign policy is not only premised on trade relations. There is a whole lot of, ben- a lot of benefits that accrue to a country from having strong relations with other countries. Now, leadership is not cheap. The fact that South Africa is seen as a leader on the African continent, that comes with a lot of responsibilities. That means you have to invest uh, in maintaining that status. Whilst as a department we are aware of uh, the, the treasure on the fiscals, of course we look for uh, innovative ways and areas where we can save money and do more with less. And that's what we've been doing. I mean, we've made some branches in the department. There are some countries where we don't have missions where uh, one ambassador is accredited to four or five countries so that we are able to maintain relations with those countries utilizing uh, minimum resources. So we are looking for areas where we can save money, but the point we wanted to make is that the reason why South Africa's trade with many countries is growing and booming is because we've got good, strong political relations, and that's what our missions do, that's what our diplomats do. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Clayson Moniela, spokesperson for the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, uh, Durko. And uh, we're going to speak now to Gareth Van Onselen, uh, senior reporter for the Sunday Times and columnist uh, for Business Day Live. And uh, Gareth, thanks for speaking to us this morning. Hi, Sakina. Thanks very much. I'm afraid, much like the spokesperson for the department, I, I don't have that long. So, so, so give, us, give us your view on this. Well, let me give you an overview of the story that the Sunday Times ran, um, because that will set the scene quite nicely, I think, for your listeners. In response to a parliamentary question to the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, the department revealed that it's spending 3.2 billion rand on 121 foreign missions across the world uh, for the last financial year. Uh, some of these, the most expensive, the, for example, the South Africa's um, permanent mission to the United Nations in Geneva costs around $100 million a year. The cheapest one at the bottom of the scale costs around $4.9 billion. The vast majority of the costs on these missions go towards the salaries of employees there, and uh, Mr. Moniela pointed to the fact that because their foreign currencies involved, they're very high, but around 59% of all that money, all the $3.2 billion is spent on salaries of employees. Now, that is exceptionally high if you compare it to a national department at home, which averages around 40%. Perhaps some of that cost can be attributed to differences in currencies, but there seem to be some answered questions about why they're so high. And actually, the key questions are coming from the Treasury, in the Treasury's budget review document for last year, it set out uh, a complaint about how much was being spent on foreign missions. 
And it said, for example, the living allowances for those people that serve at foreign missions abroad was way too generous compared to other countries. So there seems to be some internal conflict. Uh, Durko, as Mr. Monyel has just pointed out, seems to feel the impression that everyone is getting bang for their buck, uh, but the Treasury is of a different view. Uh, there's one final point to make, and Mr. Monyela made the point that uh, it's very difficult to close down foreign missions, and it is quite difficult, but it's not impossible. Nigeria, for example, which has around 118 foreign missions across the world, is currently going on a huge cost-cutting exercise, and part of that is cutting down its foreign missions to those countries where it's not feeling that it's getting value for the amount of money it's invested. Mm -hmm. So it is possible. It just takes the right kind of will and also the right kind of circumstances. You don't necessarily want to cut relations with big trading partners, but in 121 countries, there'll be a range of countries that offer you different values for your money. So I think it is possible to cut back. Um, how to do that would be a difficult exercise. You'd have to set up a task team, but I think there are changes that can be made. Well, Gareth, thank you so much uh, for outlining that for us. Uh, senior reporter for the Sunday Times and columnist for Business Day Live, uh, Gareth Van Onselen. And I think that sets the scene nicely for the question we are grappling with this morning. Are we getting value for money from our diplomatic missions abroad? And we're joined now by Professor Chris Lansberg, who is a chair of the African Diplomacy at the University of uh, Johannesburg. Prof, uh, great speaking to you once again. Thanks for having me. Now, some so, interesting. Just... Yes. Mm. No, no, go for it. No, I was going to say, you know, some interesting um, uh, points of view being put across here. And um, I guess it would be great to just start out by understanding the purpose of setting up a diplomatic mission abroad. Why would countries do that to begin with? Sure. Um, so, 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 before I answer that question, I just like to say that, and I say this tongue in cheek. I find it very interesting that Gareth, of all people, dabbles into foreign policy. Not so long ago, Gareth wrote some scathing um, pieces on um, so-called analysts and had a lot to say about um, analysts. I, I was very glad to be spared by Gareth in his analysis, but he had a lot to say about how people seem to dabble in issues over which they know very little about. It's, it's, of course, up to Gareth to prove to us that, you know, he's okay with this subject matter. I'm looking forward to having a debate with Gareth. So let me come to your question, then I'll also just briefly react to both Gareth and I'll also react to uh, Clayton Munyela. So um, since 1961, given the expanded nature of world affairs, particularly the decolonization processes in Africa, the Vienna Convention is the the Convention International Instruments that that regulates um, relations between states, but in particular the purpose, role, and functions of diplomatic missions abroad. So to come back to Diplomacy 101, as Clayson Munyela also invoked, Sakina, um, diplomatic relations are first and foremost there, as we say, to regulate and promote friendly relations between states, and even in cases of of antipathy between states, sort of where relations has broken down. It's the purpose of missions to regulate and manage the relations between states. Very specifically, you have heads of missions, typically called ambassadors um, from the Commonwealth High Commissioners. 
they are there to represent the direct interests of their country, to promote the interests of their country, and to be the representative of their country in another country. But then you also have consular missions to make sure that when you and I go to Baghdad tomorrow, for example, and we get into trouble for whatever reason, you and I can call on our um, consular services, our consular, our consular general, or, or that department to take care of our interests and needs. But let me make a more important point. Um, almost, what, 60 years after 1961, the world has changed tremendously. Relations between states uh, during the First World War, before the First World War, after the First World War, after the Second World War, were inherent, inherently political in nature. Peace and security issues dominated very seriously. Now in the 21st century, economic affairs, economic relations, Issues like commercial diplomacy, um, economic diplomacy, promoting trade relations between states in order, as you say, Sakina, and that's what I like about your question, to uh, address socioeconomic needs of a country, to address a country's development needs, that has become more important. I think the issue we should address over and above whether South Africa should indeed have as many missions as it does in world affairs uh, abroad is whether we're getting bang for our buck, whether um, our diplomatic services are smart enough, are, are, are prudent enough to close the gap between being abroad and the needs at home. Do they make sure that they, for example, help to address the development needs of our country? That, for me, is the pertinent question. And what's the answer to that? Are, we, are they? No, no, I, I, look, I, I think uh, it varies. It varies from... Uh, mission to mission, it, it depends on the mission abroad. But I think Turco itself would admit that it has a long way to go to make sure that um, diplomatic services are of a high-skilled level, uh, a sophisticated level enough to close that gap. I think Durko would itself would admit that we need to take economic diplomacy far more seriously. And I think Durko would admit that as we aspire to become a developmental state, a fast-growing state, a state that prioritizes certain development issues, education, health, and the like, that you need a certain type of, of diplomat to do that. And I think we should start at home and admit we're not doing enough to train our diplomats in a manner that they can compete with South Korea, Brazil, China, India, um, Western powers, and the like. So the onus is on us. But I would be the first to say we're not doing well enough for training, and because we're not doing well enough for training, we're not doing well enough to serve the interests of the country abroad. And uh, which brings us to another interesting um, uh, issue, which is the reputation of our diplomats, um, uh, Prof. And many people would uh, cite this as one of the reasons um, why they would say that, no, we are not getting value for our money, uh, because uh, there is this perception that uh, these diplomatic missions also just serve uh, for further uh, redeployment posts that the ANC can use. No, well, I mean, look, I think there is a gross generalization. I think 21 years in, in the mock, into democracy, there is a, 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 a well-established professional cadre in our diplomatic core that has emerged and developed. And even those diplomats that come from the ANC, I want to dispel and, and disabuse a notion that just because people come from the ranks of the ANC and from the ruling party, therefore, 
that they um, automatically of quote-unquote a second-class status, that they are inherently political in nature. Having said that, though, and this is where I would like to steer the debate, but of course I'm not the only one involved in this debate. I think as Garrett himself has done, I think it's becoming very, uh, it's becoming commonplace and very fashionable to dumb down on the diplomatic sector. So yes, the country is absolutely not doing well. Our economy uh, is, in, is, is, is in a state um, under pressure, if not in dire straits and so on. And the first casualty, people tend to dumb down on the diplomatic service. So here's a question that I'd like to ask. Should South Africa have 33 departments in the national government? Do we deserve such a big government in this country? Is it proper for us, given our status in world affairs, given the level of economy, for us to have a cabinet larger than that of Japan or Germany? Let's start there instead of just dumbing down on the diplomatic service. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask these questions about the diplomatic service. Mm-hmm. I said, let me just make one final point on this question you asked me, Sakina, because I think it's key. One of the things I think the current president should be wary of and former presidents should really also answer is why is there this perception not just in this country but throughout the continent and elsewhere in the world? When you want to get rid of political rivals, when people within your own ranks give you problems, you find an easy way to get rid of them and you send them the diplomatic missions. In order to get rid of them, send them on the nice posting abroad. I think that helps to reinforce this reputation um, and, and the whittling down of the reputation, uh, as you say. So, yes, I mean, I don't think it's a straightforward picture out there, but there are elements of truth to what you're alluding at, but we should be careful not to generalize. This morning on the forum, we are asking whether we're getting value for money from our diplomatic missions abroad. And uh, we had Clayson Moniella earlier from Durko. Unfortunately, he had to board a flight. Gareth van Onselen was supposed to speak to us. Unfortunately, he had to duck. And so we have uh, Professor Chris Landsberg and um, a chair of the African Diplomacy at the University of Johannesburg. So your questions now uh, will be for Professor Landsberg. And um, let's hear from Mauro in Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. First, I would like uh, to express my ap- uh, appreciation for your program, and I enjoy very much your laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you. I enjoy very much your laughing because it, it, it's an important part of human relation. Now, the reason why I'm phoning, I have been um, organizing an um, uh, exchange uh, uh, among uh, artists uh, and I've tried in, in Rome many times. I, I respect uh, and admire a lot of uh, South African artists. And my intention, being Italian, was uh, to create an exchange. And I have been uh, organizing exhibition of uh, painters. And at the moment, I am organizing in Rome uh, the possibility that in certain churches... Uh, to receive uh, some uh, South African singer who uh, have reached a, 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 a very high standard. I have approached, the, in, in many occasions, the South African Embassy in Rome. I'm very sorry because my crit- criticism, criticism is very specific. I must say that from a cultural point of view, their response was, um, I don't want to, you know, uh, I, I would say uh, I, would, I would define uh, pathetic, 
Uh, I don't understand how uh, an organization which is there to promote representation and interchange, they cannot understand how important it is an exchange at an artistic level. And this uh, uh, ignoring or uh, uh, not, not giving any, any contribution to that is very, is, is very bad. I think that the main reason is that uh, their political fears, it makes them, uh, in this particular field, which is the culture field, makes them important because uh, the great fear of saying the wrong things. In any case, uh, this is uh, my opinion about, uh, uh, as, as far as my experience, it is uh, um, uh, of, of uh, the, the value of the, their performance. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Mawura in Cape Town. And um, as you say, very specific there. But we'll speak to that uh, because it comes back to, um, you know, whether we are uh, doing the right things, whether we are getting value for money, uh, having these uh, diplomatic missions all over the world. We're talking about diplomatic missions abroad. And this morning we're asking whether South Africa and South Africans are getting value for money from uh, this. And second only to the United States of America and the size of our diplomatic missions abroad. Um, This has raised uh, many questions from many quarters but of course uh, taking a wide-eyed view at this and asking some questions. Uh, Professor Chris Lansberg, before the break we had a question then from uh, Mawuro uh, more of a statement and and, and he says uh, he he found the response pathetic in Rome uh, because it seems as though uh, there was no understanding of the importance of culture and cultural exchange um, where he reported. Yes, I, I, I beg to agree with the caller. So uh, what makes the caller's intervention so interesting, Sakina, um, it speaks to the point I made earlier. You see, I mean, you and I would be forgiven if we sit there with the old-fashioned perception of diplomacy, as I said, as essentially political relations between states. And, of course, we've become accustomed to this idea that Diplomats get involved in the business of promoting peace um, and trying to end conflicts and wars um, in peaceful manners short of war. Not that the world seems to be doing uh, very well at the moment. In fact, uh, just to make a broader point about the nature of diplomacy and world affairs, I think there's a, a real sense in which if you just look at Syria, for example, I mean, you almost lose track of how many states are involved, how many engage in saber rattling and using force, but we have a case of the militarization of diplomacy. What your caller's call makes so interesting, um, uh, what makes it so interesting is that he speaks, for example, to uh, a growing concept, and I would encourage students to, you know, consider studying with cultural diplomacy. How do you use culture as a means of soft power, um, uh, uh, certainly by by, you know, uh, smaller states in the world, not, not the big states. And I think South Africa is much smaller in world affairs than we think. But as an asset to promote ties between states, but also to promote your own country abroad um, and establish credentials and reputation for your country. Similarly, parliamentary diplomacy um, is a growing phenomenon. phenomenon. Science diplomacy, um, having made the point about military that I just did, I don't think any embassy in the world 
certainly not in relatively big countries with large economies, large um, military um, uh, sizes or sizes of military operations. I don't think you can have an embassy that doesn't operate with a military attaché, not because you're in the business of war, but to regulate the potential um, for conflict, to manage it, and certainly to promote, uh, promote peace ties between countries. So diplomacy has, has changed, but I am saying in the 21st century, economic diplomacy, cultural diplomacy, um, science diplomacy, those things have grown in importance. And if you and I want bang for our buck, we must have a clear sense about what the needs of our country is and how diplomatic, uh, diplomatic missions abroad are being set up in order to respond to those needs and make their contribution for us to realize our goals. And then uh, just uh, picking up on something that Gareth mentioned earlier about uh, Nigeria, uh, President Mohamedou Buhari um, uh, basically talking about uh, scaling down uh, given the cost um, of uh, this uh, particular exercise. Now, it's not only Nigeria. There are several other countries also uh, currently looking at the cost of these uh, diplomatic missions abroad. Should we as South Africa be um, embarking on a similar exercise or should we just say, well, it is what it is, and we'll have to foot the cost. No, certainly not the latter. Certainly not the latter. In other words, certainly not an attitude that it is what it is. As I, I, I'm sad to say, I think Clayson was almost, you know, alluding to such a scenario when he said that countries would take umbrage and offense mm. if we scale down. I mean, I don't think that's uh, for me a, 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 a lucid enough. Um, argument that can hold water. No country should take offense if you uh, scale down Clayson himself said, and I think this is one point we have to make, and I just think we should dig a bit uh, deeper to go and find the real um, numbers, but it is also true that even in, uh, in our own context, you have one country stationed abroad, one, one ambassador or head of mission stationed abroad, as is the case, uh, I think, with our mission in Jordan. So our ambassador in Jordan also, for example, takes care of uh, relations with Iraq. I tell you what the downside of that is. Um, for, a, for an Iraqi who would like to come and visit South Africa, whether on a cultural visit, whether to promote business and so on, that person literally has to leave Iraq, cross the border, to go and apply for a mission abroad, and, and, and has to wait literally for weeks, if not months, for a visa, which then begs the question, what about the age of technology in the 21st century? Are we savvy enough and smart exactly. enough uh, to do that? But, 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 but to, to, just to push this point of yours further, if South Africa is, and sometimes I think we do these things motivated, motivated by such rationales, rationales, if the motivation is to show that because of our quote-unquote Africa first policy, because we lead quote-unquote the African Renaissance or what President Zuma would call African advancement, if, if because of such a motivation we would like to have the highest number of missions in Africa, um, in the continent of Africa, and even would like to topple America from its number one position, then I think it's a it's a foolish reason. It's not a good enough reason. The question is, given that we have so many missions in the continent abroad and abroad, um, 
do we get, as you say, bang for our buck? Are our relations strong enough? How is it? What is our contribution to the sad reality that African states, including South Africa, African states trade with each other to the value and tune of 10%, and trade with the external world, Asia, Europe, and the Americas, and South America, well, that's the Americas, um, 90% of Africa's trade comes from trade with the outside world. Surely Africa should do better. Why is it that the container full of trading goods, Sakina, no matter what the content of those goods, why is it that such a container is um, four times more expensive to take from the port of Durban in Etiquani to Dar es Salaam than it is to bring from China to Durban, Etiquani? Surely there's something not right. And, and therefore, I don't think we take our relations with Africa serious enough. I don't think we, t- we take um, economic affairs with the continent serious enough. We, we certainly um, tend to confuse cooperation with integration. And so the list goes on. So if we're not going to see a scale down of our diplomatic ties, the question should be asked, how could we become more proactive, if not aggressive, to make sure we get that bang for that buck. And for me, the bang for the buck is tangible political ties, political ties that translate into economic affairs, solidarity, issues of human rights. I'm not trying to impose a human rights narrative on South Africa. South Africa did it itself. The government did it itself. But there is a question being raised whether we take human rights seriously enough yet in Geneva, which you mentioned earlier, in Brussels, in New York. We've got all these attaches that are responsible for human rights. And yet questions are being asked at home whether we're as committed to human rights as we profess to be in, in, in rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go back to the lines on all of these questions. Uh, do you think that we are getting value for money from our diplomatic missions abroad as South Africa? 891 Sebastian, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Yes, good morning to you. Uh, I think a question worth asking is, uh, do we actually get value from the people who are actually appointed as the top dogs as the embassies uh, abroad, uh, uh, in other words, the ambassadors? Um, there's a letter in this morning's Cape Times from uh, a writer in Frenet, uh, who I don't know and have no connection with, and the headline given by the newspaper is, this integration of morality can be seen in ambassadorial appointments. This writer is alleging that the next in line for an ambassadorial uh, appointment is a disgraced former uh, intelligence head to uh, resign rather than face a disciplinary inquiry about uh, lying about a matric certificate and that there also have been similar people who have been tainted by scandals who have also um, who have been appointed as ambassadors in the past. Um, uh, so uh, just to read... Um, a quote from this letter is um, referring to the person in next in line for an ambassadorial appointment. Uh, he will join a select group of miscreants, disgraced ANC comrades appointed as ambassadors, notwithstanding acts of moral turpitude com- committed by them. And the writer goes on to say that other countries uh, mainly appoint people with uh, long experience in the diplomatic diplomatic core, and if they go outside of that, they appoint people with uh, impeccable reputations and experience. So are we doing likewise? Because what is the use of spending a lot of money to maintain uh, an embassy abroad when the person heading it uh, can bring down the whole enterprise?
All right. Thanks so much, Sebastian. Uh, Nomfanelo, good morning. Yes, good morning, Sakina. Welcome. Yes, good morning, Sakina. Go ahead, Nomfanelo. I can hear you. Yes, yes, yes. I think we cannot have a spaza shop approach to diplomas, okay? Two, we can't go back to where we were as a country when we were the skunk of the world and an outcast where nobody wanted to do business with us. This was before 1994. We are an African country. We said when we got back into the family of nations, we want to ensure that we extend our continental footprint on the continent. There are many companies that uh, are doing business on the continent. MTN, um, a number of companies in infrastructure and construction, when trouble brews in these countries, our missions are the first port of call. When South Africans are in, in distress, both in our continent and our abroad, our missions are the first port of call for South Africa to get a relief. Two, we have expanded our paradigm of a, the, the, a diplomatic intervention. As Chris was saying, we are in cultural diplomats, we are in sport diplomats, we are in music diplomats. We no longer pursue military diplomacy in the manner in which the apartheid state did. Lastly, even in those missions where people are raising all sorts of concerns, nobody says that why do you deploy DA former members? Why was Tony Leon deployed? Why was Sandra Porter deployed? And yet when ANC cadres are deployed to serve an, an, ANC, an ANC and a national interest, then there's an outcry about it. So it's either we're going to stay in the game or get out of the game because being a global player requires that we spend significant amounts of investment into the field. So before I let you go, let me put uh, Sebastian's question to you, Nomfanela. Uh, um, Are you still there? Yes, I am here. So um, Sebastian says it's not so much the cost of you know the mission that is uh, say uh, uh, that is um, problematic. It is the person because if the person who is heading up the mission is questionable, then that creates problems. Look, um, how questionable was Tony Leon before he headed our mission in, in, in Argentina? And how questionable was Sandra Porter before she headed that mission? Someone, If someone wants to be problematic, they can say all the people who insult the, the African National Congress in terms of our parliamentary uh, diplomacy, when they get tired, they then get deployed to serve in those nations. So if we did not take them serious, why would we send them to offer as South Africans uh, abroad as our representatives? When they go there, they know that they are there to serve a national interest. So I don't think this thing that people have questionable reputations should not be deployed anyway. There are many dynamics out there. And just on that other question about Nigeria, I don't think we should use it. If, 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 if Gareth was very uh, knowledgeable about how uh, dynamics in Nigeria change on a day-to-day basis when it comes to their diplomatic interventions, I don't think we should use them as a, as a remarkable uh, example of what we need to do when we want to change. We have a brand that is a South African diplomatic brand that we need to protect. Yes, issues of reputation are high, but if you look into global uh, examples all over the world, there are always reputational issues, and uh, ambassadors and high commissioners and consul generals are never above such a, a, such, such kind of um, 
engagement when it comes to issues of reputation. So yes, we might have to do a bit of reputational management, but we should not create an impression that South Africa uh, sends out roads and, 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 and devils to go out there and articulate our foreign policy. I do not think that's a fair assessment of the predominant numbers of men and women who continue to serve our country with pride. Thank you so much, uh, Nomfanelo there. Asipos and Mpumalanga, good morning. Good morning. Uh, one question maybe. What about the, uh, the, the, the accuse of these uh, embassies? Like, for instance, what, what took place in Iran in the days of Shah, where the Savak was there and the people were getting killed and they were using uh, that as a base to run that country and manipulate things. And I don't think that was the first and the last time. I want to believe that uh, there is an underhand in the whole thing, how to manipulate things in most of the time. I would like the professor to respond to that. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Sipo. Let's go to Kahiso. Sam, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Sakina? Well, and you? Fine. Good morning to your guests. We need a pan-Africanist approach to this issue. There's no need for 52 African countries to have representation in different foreign foreign countries. For instance, (coughs) uh, we should have one uh, representative who represents the entire continent at the United Nations, for example. Now, we still uh, trade with each, with each other as a continent uh, using pound sterling and the dollar. We have, we have a long way to go. And uh, this diplomatic mission is meant to give patronage jobs to traders like Zinzi Mandela and the other. It is not uh, some... I mean, what do you expect... Tony Leon to, to, to uh, articulate Africa's position from a pan-Africanist position. We expect that, or Sheila Cameron, or whatever border the, 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 the person uh, who mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now, we need a pan-Africanist approach to save a lot of money because of scarce resources. Thank you. Thanks so much, uh, Sam. Uh, Mrs. D in Durban. Hi, I'd like to make a quick comment from experience. I did a short stint in the Emirates, and we were invited to a Freedom Day celebration. It was at the Emirates Palace, which was the most expensive hotel in Abu Dhabi. Um, There was crocodile meat flown in from South Africa, biltong. It was the most extravagant event I've ever been to. And every expat in the Emirates, nobody pays tax. So it was the most lavish, expensive affair on South African taxpayers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Uh, Mrs. D. in Durban, uh, who says she's been there. Uh, some of your messages, uh, Bistola says, SK, give Nomfanelo uh, a bells. Uh, she's on point. Uh, Spiwo disagrees, says, with people like Nomfanelo, uh, we are in for a rough ride. Uh, expect the likes of Gaten McKenzie, Fana Longwane, and uh, Humphrey Memezi as the next diplomats. And then um, this one from Unati Kwaza says, even Chris Ngobo, who was caught on fraud charges for lying about his matric certificate, is going off to 
Mali as an ambassador. And a few others here. This one says uh, from KB, very interesting and informative topic. I have an issue, though, when government redeploys people who have allegations of corruption and misconduct in diplomatic missions. This one says, isn't it just another case of clumsy governments uh, failing to change with the times? Uh, We can get a diplomat to anywhere in the world in a day and Skype is cheaper. William in Cape Town says we need a huge diplomatic corps in order to provide uh, cushy redeployments for cadres who have been caught with their hands in the till and have otherwise misbehaved back home. Uh, Khabo says uh, money is not everything, but that said, I think we can do with uh, shrinking the capacity of some of these missions. Nothing is impossible. Faguin Ermelo says Sakina charity begins at home. Jay's contribution. Clayson Moniela says these embassies have uh, not been open during the term and administration of this administration, but post-1994. Uh, what does that have to do with the question? Uh, this mentality that is a very bad of positioning government pre and post-Zuma, yet it's uh, the very same party and policies, says Jay. Typical ANC lack of financial sense, says that one. Mike in Newland says the diplomatic department is used like parliament as a dumping ground for ANC cadres guilty of theft or uh, to reward loyalty. And this one says, I agree with all government departments, uh, they should be reassessed uh, in order to determine the value that it adds to uh, the efficient and cost-effective functioning of the government. The voting system must change so that persons be elected to positions in government uh, by the people and not be appointed by political parties. And then Chris Drift says diplomatic missions uh, are nothing but a safe haven for ANC embarrassments. It derives no value uh, to the ordinary citizen. I am Black says uh, diplomatic missions bring no value for money. As you know, people who fail disastrously in their positions become diplomats. And then Charles Rembe says, why can't these missions be regional as opposed to individual countries? They are too costly. And um, uh, this one from Mokoni in Angola, South African embassy uh, helped a lot of South African companies to recover some of their money. The embassy is important for various issues. And then um, uh, Morabula says, the quality of some of our diplomats is riddled with scandals and controversies. How do you market South Africa with such a distasteful C- a CV? And Slindi Lesitole says, um, our worldview as South Africans is very poor. We're not strategic thinkers at this point. So, Prof, what's your rap on this? I mean, Look, you I know. Mean, let me just make a general comment, and I hope I don't contradict myself. I'm actually... Um, startled by sort of the one-eyed view of a lot of the um, inputs from callers and um, even SMS. I mean, it's almost like sort of um, suggesting that the ANC is just out there to find sort of uh, people in the wrong to deploy them. It's, of course, not true. So let's just start quickly in 1989 and just briefly, very briefly, work our way through. In 1989, when F.W. Declare became president of this um, country, uh, the last white minority dominated president um, uh, at the time. South Africa had diplomatic relations with 29 countries, including the Vatican and the TBVC states. We were the, we were the most isolated state in the world together with uh, Pinochet's Chile and, and others at, at the time. So I just think it's important to bear that. I don't think the ANC or the government or South Africans should make any apology that we've expanded relations with the world to the point that at the moment we have about 143 countries uh, uh, represented in our country, with many of them 
rep- um, having representation to countries in the region, Lesotho and others, without having necessarily big offices there. So, 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 so let me just um, make make two points about the pan-African orientation that was called for. I think it's at least two callers who made that point, and my point about a developmental meritocratic civil service. Pan-Africanism doesn't necessarily mean you need to have the most embassies in the continent, as I've said. The reason, unfortunately, for the caller why I don't think we will have, for example, um, one mission representing one African state abroad, representing, say, five other countries from Africa in a particular mission, let's say in Russia, is because, contrary to this uh, sentimental idea of pan-Africanism, African states behave using the national interest lens, the self-interest lens. Um, one of the concerns that I have about South Africa, we do a lot of these things for prestige, to enhance our standing in the world as opposed to asking what do we do to serve the domestic or the regional or the continental base. And I think there is need for a mindset um, shift there. So finally, Sakina, uh, for now, I know we don't have a lot of time. Let me say this. I mean, there's an old saying in diplomacy, foreign policy begins at home. So, if there's this growing perception that we use rogue elements, tainted people, to send them abroad, well, we have to address this thing at home. It is what we do with clearance, with putting systems uh, in place uh, to make sure that we send the best and the brightest to go and serve us abroad. And about the best and the brightest, I want to very, I want to very much preempt um, certain people out there. I'm not suggesting you simply take the best that is there right now. We have a duty in this country to address the legacies of the past, including the socioeconomic devastation caused by apartheid, the inequalities and inequities and poverty. So we have to make sure we, we, we train all of us to become meritocratic, to become the best, to serve abroad and to serve at home. The one pregnant question, though, that I would challenge you to address during a future program, uh, Sakina, do we need such a big government at home? Because there's no point singling out just the diplomatic core. It seems to be a problem that we have in this country. And my appeal to this government is that don't behave currently at this current juncture as if all of us are under pressure economically need to scale down, but you are the only one that can just continue going on a binge, spend as if you are not affected. I think there's a mindset shift needed by all of us, not in the least government. Well, that's very interesting uh, that you mentioned there because I was reading something about um, uh, the um, uh, UK, uh, Britain. They were actually um, uh, talking to Canada about um, England, for that matter, uh, moving uh, into the same offices, maybe in Australia, New Zealand, sharing the cost there. And it's interesting what you say, though, about, you know, people, countries promoting um, their own interest. And uh, perhaps we are not as single-minded as we would like to think we are. But, uh, Prof, uh, we've certainly noted the other suggestion that you've made, and thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
And um, if your SMSs, tweets are anything to go by, then you certainly do not believe that we are getting value for our money from these uh, diplomatic missions abroad. But what needs to be done? Will it be done? And perhaps, as Professor Landsberg says, the question should start here at home as to whether we need the size of cabinet that we currently have. So we'll try and set that up uh, for a date sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for your uh, participation this morning, as always, and to the production team. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 6 and 9. Right now it's 9 o'clock and Simpiwe is standing by with the latest news.